This month on KHUM In Depth, we take a look at our healthcare system. I'm Sierra Jenkins. And I'm Lindsay Battle. Thanks to our sponsor, Mr. Fish. This time last month, the Senate was busy at work trying to push through a repeal and replace of the Affordable Care Act. With pressure being put on the Senate majority by the current administration, the weight of this decision was further emphasized when Senator John McCain, recovering from brain surgery, appeared on the Senate floor. McCain was flown in to cast his crucial vote to allow the healthcare debate to move forward. Here's what he had to say as he addressed his colleagues. Our healthcare insurance system is a mess. We all know it. Those who support Obamacare and those who oppose it. Something has to be done. We Republicans have looked for a way to end it and replace it with something else without paying a terrible political price. We haven't found it yet, and I'm not sure we will. All we've managed to do is make more popular a policy that wasn't very popular when we started trying to get rid of it. I voted for the motion to proceed to allow debate to continue and amendments to be offered. I will not vote for this bill as it is today. It's a shell of a bill right now. We all know that. I have changes urged by my state's governor that will have to be included to earn my support for final passage of any bill. I know many of you will have to see the bill change substantially for you to support it. We've tried to do this by coming up with a proposal behind closed doors in consultation with the administration, then springing it on skeptical members, trying to convince them that it's better than nothing. That it's better than nothing? Asking us to swallow our doubts and force it past a unified opposition. I don't think that's going to work in the end, and probably shouldn't. The administration and congressional Democrats shouldn't have forced through Congress without any opposition support a social and economic change as massive as Obamacare. And we shouldn't do the same with ours. Why don't we try the old way of legislating in the Senate? The way our rules and customs encourage us to act. If this process ends in failure, which seems likely, then let's return to regular order. Let the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee under Chairman Alexander and Ranking Member Murray hold hearings, try to report a bill out of the committee with contributions from both sides. After three days straight of healthcare debates and three separate voting attempts to repeal the ACA, a divided and pressured Senate was ultimately unable to make good on the president's campaign promises to repeal and replace Obamacare. And with national health care being an ongoing debate, we sit down with California's 2nd District Congressman Jared Huffman and he weighs in on the controversial issue. First of all, let me just emphasize that I believe we need national health insurance. I, I think we should join the, the rest of the civilized world and give everybody health insurance as a right um, and not make it a privilege for those who only those who can afford it. Huffman also elaborates on feedback he's received from the public and health care providers. There's been a lot of fear and anxiety, especially from people who have had family experiences or personal experiences, maybe with pre-existing conditions, uh, and sort of come to appreciate the importance of having a law that says you gotta give insurance coverage to people no matter what their pre-existing conditions are. That was a huge reform, a huge step forward. 
And we've also seen some progress in bending the healthcare cost curve. So the medical community has come around to really strongly supporting these reforms that we've made, and they don't want to go backward. So that's kind of what I'm hearing. I'm hearing a lot from healthcare providers, especially you know rural health clinics, Indian Health Services, other places where they've actually been able to make some progress thanks to the Affordable Care Act, and then a lot from people who have some condition, and you know these are not even uncommon, some type of cancer, diabetes, you name it, that if we go back to the old ways, they're going to find themselves unable to get health care. Huffman believes a good start to expand health care would be to build on a program that already exists, Medicare. Now, Medicare is a single-payer federal health insurance plan for people 65 or older who have paid into the system through payroll tax. Or it can be for younger people who qualify due to disabilities. So Huffman teamed up with three other congressmen to introduce the Medicare Buy-In and Healthcare Stabilization Act at the end of July. So Medicare covers about 57 million Americans today. Uh, if we open it up for voluntary buy-in for people aged 50 to 64, so a few years short of them actually qualifying, and uh, make it an option, a voluntary option, we can bring potentially another 57 or so million Americans under the coverage of that program, price it in a way that is competitive with private insurance, but also in a way that actually helps the Medicare trust fund, uh, improves the risk pool, improves the finances. So it can be a real win-win and take us a little further down that path of, you know, eventually I think the whole country is going to be under something like Medicare. This would be a significant step in that direction. He also shares what the response has been regarding the bill. I would love to be able to tell you we've got bipartisan support. We're not there yet. But we do have 116 co-sponsors in the House. Um, That's a pretty good chunk of the Democratic caucus. That's a majority of the Democratic caucus. And I think that tells you sort of where Democrats would like to take this conversation on health care. We'd like to see more choices for consumers. We'd like to see a broadening of the successful Medicare program. And, you know, we think these are, are things that... You know, we should just put our politics aside, put our ideology aside. This makes sense. Medicare is hugely efficient. It's hugely popular. It's an existing program that can be expanded to help solve problems. We ought to be talking about that. And he adds that a big challenge with the bill is that a lot of Americans just don't favor Medicare. You know, bear in mind the Republican Party fought against Medicare all the way up until the 1970s, mid-1970s, and then they finally stopped including a repeal of Medicare in their platform. They opposed it when it was passed in the 60s, and many of them still argue that it needs to be privatized or spun off or repealed. So, um, you know, many moderate Republicans have come to accept it. I think when you look at, at rank-and-file Americans who happen to be Republicans, they like their Medicare. And we heard that as an interesting part of the debate over health care back in 2010 when the Affordable Care Act was moving forward. People said, get government out of my health care, but don't touch my Medicare. They didn't even understand that this was a government program. Um, So, you know, it's just politics wrapped all around this issue. And that's the biggest challenge in terms of, you know, could we expand this program? Could we find a way to price it? in a way that was competitive on the individual market health exchanges and also complementary to the Medicare trust fund? Absolutely, we can do this. These challenges are political. And earlier this year, the Healthy California Act, SB 562, was introduced in the state Senate. 
This bill aims to implement a single-payer health care system on the state level. Yeah, Lindsay, and I also asked Huffman about this since he did spend six years in the California State Assembly. And I supported single-payer health care legislation, um, but it was... Uh, it wasn't a complete package. It wasn't like if the laws that I supported as an assemblyman passed that California would have a standalone single-payer system. It was a step in that direction. You still would have to pass the taxes to support it. The finance plan is complicated. Everyone should have their eyes wide open about that. It's tough for a state to go it alone on something as ambitious as single-payer health care. Far better uh, if we could do it at the national level. That's why I'm pushing as hard as I can, both incrementally with this early Medicare buy-in bill, and also supporting the full Medicare for All bill that's been introduced by John Conyers. But I also support uh, my colleagues in the state legislature continuing to push the envelope, move this forward. We're probably not going to get to a full standalone single payer in California um, anytime real soon, but we got to keep pushing it. This is the ultimate answer for a big part of our health care problems, providing that health care insurance as a matter of right. We're still going to have uh, private health care, but I think we should have public insurance. That's what this is all about. Hopefully we'll do it at the national level. That's the most efficient and effective way to do it. While Huffman is pushing for Medicare expansion, people covered under Medicaid are fearful of losing their coverage. So we spoke with Partnership Health Plan of California, which is a nonprofit community-based healthcare organization that contracts with the state to administer Medi-Cal benefits through local care providers. We talked to Partnership's Northwest Regional Manager, Jennifer Chancellor, in her Eureka office so she can explain what role Partnership plays in her region, which is Humboldt and Del Norte counties, and to explain Medi-Cal and why it's important. Medi-Cal really matters for so many reasons. So in the rest of the states, Medi-Cal is known as Medicaid. And Medicaid is the primary source of health insurance for elderly, low-income families, and persons with disabilities. It's also the major source of payment for those people who are in long-term care facilities. So this is really important when you are looking at supporting your seniors and persons with disabilities. Also, approximately 50% of the babies born in the United States are actually born on Medicaid. And Medicaid also covers about 40% of the children in the United States. Um, this makes Medicaid critically important to our current and our future communities here in the United States. Wow, so with that being said, if that were to be taken away, um, from what you know, what would be happening to these people? That's one of our biggest fears of what happens when these millions of people lose health insurance. People are going to continue to have health care needs and they're going to continue to, to seek out health care and now they might not have a way to pay for it if the Affordable Care Act is repealed. So that's really the scariest part for us, is right now we have people that have health insurance, they're able to establish a medical home with a primary care physician, they're able to get care and to manage their health. So when they no longer have a way to pay for it, do they stop seeking medical services? Do they wait until their life is in crisis and seek services at an emergency department? Or are they expected to be financially burdened and pay out of pocket for all these health care expenses that they might not be able to afford. So that's really the biggest scare to partnership is what happens to all of these people who may lose medical coverage. We've heard a lot of stories about people who didn't have medical insurance before, 
who were able to see a doctor and possibly diagnosed with something that they were able to have addressed or able to have cured. I actually heard of a woman who had skin cancer, who had not seen a medical doctor for 10 years, now has partnership health plan, able to see a doctor who diagnosed her condition, and now she's able to live to talk about it because she was able to get medical care. Okay, now it seems like you guys do, you know, a, a lot for the community. Uh, actually, how many people does your organization serve? Actually, Partnership currently covers over 570,000 Medi-Cal members in Northern California. We serve over 52,000 members in Humboldt County alone. Chancellor also mentions that their members' healthcare issues are compounded by lack of access to healthy food, housing, and adverse childhood experiences, just to name a few. That's right, Lindsay, and she also says they're working to provide those services to members by issuing social determinants of health grants to a variety of community partners. And on top of that, they also have programs to help meet the needs of their primary care providers. Partnership Health Plan has established a provider recruitment program that's actually ran out of the local Eureka office here. This program has a variety of incentives that helps our community partners in their provider recruitment efforts. Since September of 2014, we've actually been able to assist in recruiting 30 providers to the Humboldt County area through our provider recruitment program. And one healthcare provider that accepts partnership is Open Door Community Health Centers. It's one of the largest providers of primary care in Humboldt and Del Norte counties. And CEO Herman Spetzler elaborates on challenges faced by local healthcare providers and how the healthcare system, specifically in rural areas like our own, has rapidly changed from previous generations. We worked with 650 different insurance companies last year. Wow. I think that we're in a in sort of convergence of lots of different things happening at the same time. Some of it due to the new administration that we have in Washington, but a lot of it due to a fundamental change in the healthcare delivery system. And rural is especially impacted because three quarters of the United States is rural. And the amount of attention that rural gets is not proportional to its land mass. Mm -hmm. It is proportional to how many voters are there. And so the whole new healthcare delivery system is sort of built around an urban model. And that creates extra complexity for rural. In the old days, in my generation, rural doctors were doctors slash entrepreneurs. They would come to a rural area, they would hang their shingle, they would start a practice, and they would maybe add a partner or two partners, and then when it got close to retirement, they would sell it to a younger doctor, and that's how we provided healthcare in rural America all over the place. Today, healthcare is different. Most of the doctors coming out of medical school are only interested in being doctors, and they're not interested in also running a business. They also come out with an extraordinary amount of debt. In my generation, people came out with very little debt or no debt. Uh, today, 175000 is sort of a low debt amount, and 350 to 500000 is not unheard of. And not only is that a debt, but it's a relatively short-term debt. So they tend to look for Kaiser-like 
entities. Uh, Open Door is a Kaiser-like entity in the sense that we employ physicians and uh, we take care of the business aspects of their practice. The hiring and the billing and the staff management and the malpractice insurance and all the kinds of things. And they actually uh, get salaries and they have vacation and they get the kind of support that that any other kind of employer-employee relationship would be the case. And that's sort of how uh, things are shifting today in America. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, about 39 million people live in the state of California. Herman Spesler says that of those, two-thirds live below the Tehachapi's in the greater L.A. basin. An additional three million can be found in the I-5 corridor between Bakersfield and Redding, Approximately 8 million people found around the San Francisco Bay Area extending into Sacramento, which leaves 1 million people spread over the other three-quarters of the state in what the healthcare system calls rural areas. Rural is subdivided into two categories, rural and frontier. Cities and towns in Humboldt are considered to be rural. There are also frontier areas in Humboldt, which means there are less than 11 people Per square mile. Compare that with Koreatown in LA, which according to the U.S. Census Bureau contains the highest populated area at over 42,000 people living per square mile. In addition to the geography and population of California and how that all plays out, Spesler also says that the topography of California has a significant impact on how rural communities receive health care. When I tell people that our next closest access to, let's say, orthodontic care for people on Medi-Cal is in Reading, and they say, well, Reading's only 120 miles away, you should be able to get there in a reasonable time. I say, well, in the summertime, and all is good, and they're not fixing all the roads, it's three hours away. In the wintertime, it can be impossible to get there. But I always give myself at least four hours to get to Reading because there's always something in between. So we're doing 30 miles an hour on the average uh, to get there. When people think of freeway turns and doing 70 and, and the alike. Having said all that, as compared to the rest of America, Humboldt County is blessed with the cross-section of both primary and specialty care available for a rural area of such small numbers. If I take our area, I don't know whether you, you know what the population of Humboldt is? No, not okay. offhand. What is it? 135,000, but that includes every man, woman, and child. You know, it goes quite a ways east, so it's all yeah. of Willow Creek and Hoopa and, and uh, Del Norte has another 30,000 or so. So if you take everybody, we have about 165,000 lives, the way Costco would count them. And I use that as an example because very often you might live in Siskiyou or you might live in northern Mendocino or you might live in Trinity County or even in Lake County and you still use the economic centers that are humbled. You still yeah, drive if to you your want to go, go to Costco. Right, yeah, right. Okay. If you're 
right before you drive over the mountain to go to Reading where the next Costco is. Right. And they don't look at political boundaries and we tend to talk about political boundaries in healthcare a lot, but mm -hmm. people who seek healthcare are looking for where can they get healthcare, not so much where they live right. politically. In that area, Open Door Clinic has 14 access points and we have two dental vans and we have a mobile medical van. When talking about the number of community members that Open Door serves, Herman Spetzler explains how his organization looks at different time periods to gather a broader understanding of who they provide with medical care. Because not everyone goes to their doctor regularly, Open Door also takes into account those seeking services during the last five years or 60 months. If we take the 60-month period of an unduplicated count of people using the Open Door system, 94,000 unique patients. That's a that's lot. A, that's a lot. So more the majority of Yes, people about two-thirds of everybody is, is seeking services is through, Hummel, through, through Open, Open Door. Door. So uh, we see about uh, 800 to 1,000 patients a day. Uh, this last year we saw just over 55,000 unique patients. What has happened over the last uh, five to eight years is that the private practices that were the mainstay of healthcare delivery in our communities uh, begin to close, mainly due to retirement and an inability to recruit a younger generation because of what we had talked about earlier. So we really had a whole group of excellent people that came about the same time and they took care of our community um, for 40 years. Now we're having to recruit the next generation and it took a little while to get that going. Open Door just this year uh, recruited 19 new providers. Uh, that's quite a lot. We have to be careful so that we don't make the same mistake again, that every provider is the same age so that we have a problem again at some time. But I, when I look at all of the places that people could go to to practice medicine in a rural area, there are darn few that are as wonderful as the greater Humboldt, the Northwest here. Uh, and so I think that uh, we will find that we will have a competitive edge uh, on being able to recruit the next generation. We can't force people to provide care in a particular kind of way, but we can use technology to try to minimize the amount of travel. We're very well aware of the fact uh, if your child has some kind of condition that needs a children's hospital or a Shriners facility or something like that, which for economies of scale will never happen in a rural area, how do you take a working parent out of work, often for three days, to get a 20-minute appointment in the middle day? Because to get to Oakland, you got to go all day, then you got to find some place to stay. So we have teletechnology available to be able to do as much as we can through telemedicine.
And that's like essentially like a Skype doctor appointment? Yes. Okay. Uh, What often might have been three trips can be one trip. The pre-work can be done over the television screen with the person on the other end. Then you have to go to Reading or you have to go to uh, Santa Rosa and get the procedure. But the recheck can happen again through the other technology. So finding those happy mediums in between those. uh, I sit on the board of what's called the 1115 waiver. And that is California's ability to negotiate with the federal government on how they want to do their health care dollars that are inside the Medicaid and Medicare arena. One of the things that we've been introducing and that the state of California has been receptive to is a travel allowance added to the Medi-Cal program so that people would be able to get some travel reimbursement if they had to seek health care more than 40 miles away. We have the skill set in our community, if we collaborate with each other, to do somewhere between 85 and 95 percent of anything that we would need in our community. Then there'll be that subset that will always have to happen in an urban area just because economies of scale and complexity of those centers of excellence. Well, the travel allowance does seem like a great initiative, especially for members of rural areas where they're basically forced to drive to bigger cities to receive treatment. And also looking at the benefits of modern technology when it comes to getting a checkup visit with a specialist, it seems like a really great resource to have those Skype visits on hand, and that's a huge deal. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thanks for joining us. We hope you got some valuable information about the healthcare system on this month's KHUM In-Depth segment, which is brought to you by Mr. Fish. We hope you'll tune in in September for our next installment of KHUM In-Depth right here on KHUM Radio Without the Rules.